So glad to be here together with you. Today is Vision Sunday. Now, there is a big game happening later, but this is the moment that uh, is very exciting for me and uh, the opportunity to share about our church as a church and to just think, think through some of the things that are coming in the days ahead. And we got an exciting special announcement to share with you today as well. And uh, But... Uh, one of the privileges I've had in my life is I've, uh, a few different times, I've been able to go to Africa on a missions trip. And uh, it, I've just been honored every time, and um, it's, it's really great. It, it, it's an amazing trip for me, and uh, looking forward to going again here, hopefully within the next year. But the last time I went, a couple years ago, um, we... Uh, and all the times I've gone, I've never went to the Serengeti, which is the African plain. It's so famous. And I've never been. And so this time, because my son was going on the trip with me and we were leading a trip as Restoration Church, we took one day and, um, and, and, uh, and scheduled the trip. So we, I booked it while I was here in the United States, booked the uh, touring company. When we got there, it was a little bit of, of some back and forth on email. And then the moment, that moment that we were supposed to go on the trip, honestly, I didn't know if the guys would actually show up or if they're just going to steal my money. But I was basing my faith on their Yelp review. But five in the morning, that truck was there. And uh, so we, we all load up into this one big uh, uh, land cruiser. And um, so we start on the we start to go on the trip. So the one guy who I knew who spoke English, he was there, but then he left, and he left us with a driver who didn't seem to speak any English. And then we were just off through the dark streets of Africa, and uh, and I was I was really honestly very nervous because I had no idea where he was bringing me, what was happening. Next thing I know, we stopped at this gas station, like five twenty in the morning, and uh, he's trying to communicate like we're picking someone else up and I'm just like oh my word what is going on like I, this is going to be a disaster and uh, my my anxiety is kind of through the roof so another guy jumps in the car he speaks a little bit better English and then we're off and it was a four-hour drive we knew it was going to be a four-hour drive from where we were staying to the uh, to the visitor center to the park and uh, I had no idea if they're actually driving us there. We would find out in about four hours if they're like, uh, you know, loading us onto a boat. And I'm like, I think we're going the wrong way. But so we finally, after that long trip, and I'm a big guy, so sitting in the back seat of, of an SUV, it was pretty comfortable. I mean, there's a ton of headroom and the roof lifted up so you could look at the animals when we got there. But it was, uh, it was still uncomfortable. And, and driving on the roads in Africa, we're, we're about like driving on Route 495 near Worcester. I mean, it was just bumpy and, and there's a lot of traffic and they're driving just way faster than you're comfortable with. So anyway, four hours, we finally get there, and I finally see the signs there in Getty, like, tourist center. I'm like, all right, we made it. We're safe. And we get out. It's like an hour that we're there at the visitor center trying to get, show our passports and, and pay for our tickets, and, and it just took a long time. And when we finally get load back in the vehicle and we go into the park, we go through the gates, and then it was like another hour drive into the park to kind of get where the animals were. So that, I mean, that trip is all kinds of 
really some bad memories from that trip. It was a long car ride, thinking me and my son and people from our church are all getting abducted. Um, there's the heat uh, of, of the vehicle. And then as finally when we get there, um, we're, they let us out. We're going to use an outhouse that millions of visitors have used. And this is this brick hut. And there's a, a big bush next to the outhouse. On the other side of that bush are a bunch of hippopotamuses, which were way too close to the outhouse for my comfort. If you don't know this, they're the number one killer of humans in Africa, more than lions, crocodiles, and uh, giraffes combined. Or, and um, they're the number one killer. And so they're just right on the other side of that bush. And I feel like at any second, they're just going to come charging at us, and that's the end of it. So there's kind of all that happening, and then it was cool seeing some animals. We ended up seeing, you know, baboon butts, which is uh, which is a memory, and and uh, I did see a few other animals. And it was finally time for lunch, and they begin driving us, and I'm I'm getting pretty hungry because it's been like since 4:30 since we ate anything, and they begin driving us through this trail up this hill. When we got to the top of the hill, there was a restaurant there right in the middle of the Serengeti. And it was a really nice restaurant. So I was relieved, like, all right, we're going to eat good. And when we walk into the restaurant, as you walk through the restaurant, we come out onto this deck at the restaurant. And I'll never forget what I felt like that moment when we stepped out onto the deck. And before us, as far as you could see, was the Serengeti Plain. I'm not a flowery type of guy, but it took my breath away. I was just, I was just in awe at how amazing and how beautiful it was. It was the most spectacular view I've ever seen in my life. And I've been on the top of Mount Washington on a foggy day. I mean, this surpassed that for sure. And so when I stepped out on that deck, I, I, all the way to the edge of the deck, and, and I look, and as far as I could look this way was the, was the Serengeti Plain, and as I turned and crossed, and it's just, just nothing else, no buildings, nothing, and as far as I could turn this way, just completely surrounded by this beauty. It was unbelievable. I went search. I, I, I thought, I remember getting there and thinking, having my iPhone 5 and thinking, pictures are not going to do this justice. And um, someone else was on a trip, texted me some pictures beforehand. And it's true, the pictures just don't even touch it. And I was thinking about it. I don't even think I tried to take any pictures. Like I, I maybe took it out and took a couple of pictures. Like there's no way I could ever explain this to anybody. So I stuck my phone back in my pocket and just tried to soak it in for as long as I could. If I had to go back to Africa, and if I ever get that chance, I get a chance to bring another one of my kids, I'm going to make sure I schedule another trip to the Serengeti Plain. As long as the car ride is, as painful as it is, um, you know, as, uh, you know, with all, kind of all the challenges of the trip, I would do it in a heartbeat for the chance to see that view again. And if you were coming on the trip with me, I'd be communicating you, like, listen, there's nothing better you could do today um, on our free day than coming with us. And I just don't want to spend 10 hours, that's longer than 10 hours in a car that day. I don't want to spend 15 hours in a car today. And like, listen, you need it for the moment where we walk out on that deck and we see that view. 
you don't want to miss it. I don't know what car trips you've gone on. What allows us, what gives us the ability to endure some pretty grueling and some pretty trying car trips? Michelle and I, the longest we've spent on a road trip with two kids under the age of three in a car was 19 hours. We left my uncle's house and drove 19 hours straight with just a couple meal breaks with two kids under three years old. Um, and uh, that's probably the worst car I'd ever been on my life, but it wasn't too bad. If you've ever been there, what allows us to endure those car rides? It is a focus on the destination. When you know where you're going and you know what, what is at the end of that trip, it allows you to, to do it, to sometimes do it again. And in the passage of scripture that we're about to read, Paul's talking and he's telling us essentially, um, I'll, I'll paraphrase what we're about to read, but he's saying, fix your eyes on the destination. Keep your focus on the destination. And there's all kinds of challenges before us, but keep your eyes on where you're going and the destination that we're going to. If you've got your Bibles, open up to 2 Corinthians, and we are going to be in chapter 4, and we're going to read two verses here that Paul wrote, talk about those a little bit, and then share a little bit about what's happening at the church. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll read verses 17 and uh, verses 18, Paul writes, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. A lot in there, and uh, you can kind of read that and not completely understand what he's saying, but we look at it in terms of a road trip, he's saying, hey, listen, we focus our eyes on the destination, not on the path that we're on, but on the destination and the place that we're going. And Paul writes about light and momentary troubles, and let's look at Paul's life for a second and consider the experience he had that would cause him to write this. Now, before Paul was uh, made a decision to follow Jesus, he was a uh, really a, a well-educated, well-thought-of uh, Jewish man. He, um, he had a, a lot of comfort in his life. He, he was looked to as really an expert, and he had the best education, and he had a lot of privilege. When Jesus came on the scene, and, and after Jesus left and his disciples continued to tell people about him, Paul made it his mission to try to eradicate Christianity and so he began to arrest Christians, begin to um, have Christians killed, and this was now his focus until his life was absolutely changed by Jesus. He had this encounter with Jesus and went from being a person who killed Christians and tried to arrest Christians to being uh, someone who traveled all over the known world telling other people about Jesus. Absolutely changed his life. Now, from the moment he decided to follow Jesus, that moment forward, his life faced a lot of difficulty, and some of those things are recorded in the, in the Bible. So just give you an overview of his life after following Jesus. It says uh, in the Bible, five different times he was beaten by the Jews with 39 stripes, and that's a whip across the back. Um, three different times he was beaten with rods. One time he was stoned, and that was an execution method. 
and um, you stoned someone to death. And those people who attacked him stoned him and pulverized him to such a point that they left him because they thought they killed him. But he got back up. He kept moving forward and continued in the mission that God had for him. So he experienced this. Three different times in his life, he was on ships that sunk uh, in the Mediterranean. Uh, one time uh, after the ship sunk, he spent a night and a day uh, in sea, floating in the sea, holding on to who knows what, a, a plank or, or a beam, um, and, uh, until he finally washed ashore. And then probably too many times to count, he was imprisoned for being a follower of Jesus and for telling other people about Jesus. Paul describes this to us as light and momentary troubles. I mean, his perspective on every hardship that he went through is uh, really maybe maddening or it's embarrassing. You, you know, we call, what, do we, what do we call our life and how big do we call our problems? But compared to what he went through, it, was, it seemed to be anything but light, but yet that's what he said. It's a light and momentary trouble. And what we see is, how is he able to look at his life as a light and momentary trouble? Because his eyes were fixed on his destination. This wasn't it for him. There was a life after this one that he knew he would enjoy. There was a reward for him in the life after this one. And he... He's excited about that, and, he, and he's saying, like, this is light, this is momentary, um, but there's a heavy reward that's eternal. So this is short, but that is going to last forever, and he has his, eye, his, his head and his focus on that. His reward for those who follow Jesus, there's a reward of heaven, and we believe that, and we look forward to that, and we hope for that. And when we lose a loved one who follows Jesus, we do it with hope, knowing that we will see them again. But there's also a reward in this life, and that's the reward of seeing lives changed, of seeing people come to know Jesus, of seeing people, uh, seeing people changed. In the annual report that they gave you when you, when you came in, this is a testimony of the great things that God did in 2018. And in there, you can read some testimonies about people who, whose lives were changed at Restoration Church and had different things um, happen in their life, but how, how a moment with Jesus changed them. And we celebrate that together. But he kept his eyes focused on the destination. Think about it this way, all right? We're in the middle of winter, it's February. It's miserable. Um, you know, you don't know if we're going to make it through. You, you just, you just in your head, begin to think of the daffodils poking through the ground and beginning to bloom. That's a long time off. And some people are like, I just can't put up with shoveling anymore. I can't put up with winter anymore. And they take off and they're out of here. But if we think about our life and eternity in, compare it to winter, that our life here on this earth is, is like winter. I mean, there's troubles, there's difficulties. But God kind of has this promise for us that if you will endure the winter, then uh, you'll experience 
this eternal summer. That's kind of the comparison that Paul's making and, and that we want to have as our focus. Like, all right, could we put up with one winter to deal with an eternal summer? Absol- every single one of us are going to sign up for that. And this is what Paul's saying. Listen, our life here, our mission on this earth, yeah, it's a, this momentary problem. It's this momentary winter. But if you make it through, if you'll stay focused on the destination, there's an eternal summer coming. And our eternal summer is heaven, you know, where it will never rain, um, where we'll, we'll, there'll be no sorrow, no sickness, no sunburns. We look forward to that. But we haven't experienced that yet because there is a mission for us here and there's something that God's called us to do. There is a, a journey, there's a trip for us to be taking on until we get to that destination. So Paul writes in verse number 18, he says, so we fix our eyes on not on what is seen, but what is unseen. We fix our eyes on the destination we can't yet see, since what we see is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We fix our eyes on what is unseen. When you start out on any trip, you can't see the destination that you're headed for. But we remind ourselves of that destination during the trip. If you're going to load up your vehicle full of kids in your car and say, hey, kids, we're going to Disney World, and you're going to start that 24-hour trip south, there are going to be hardships, there's going to be whining, there's going to be fighting, and then you're going to remind them, hey, kids, where are we going? We're going to Disney World. That's right. What are you going to do when you get there? Which characters do you want to see? And you're keeping them focused, not on the pain that they're in, but on the destiny that's before them. When your spouse starts getting grumpy at you on the car trip, he says, hey, when we go to Epcot, which different countries are you going to eat food at? And you're reminding them of the destination before them. That this journey is in this pain It's only temporary. There's something much greater that we're called to. There's something much greater before us. There's something much greater that we're going to experience. This destiny, this destination, excuse me, is not just something that we get to and we're done. It's not just work. But this destination is our destiny. It is a God-ordained assignment over our life. Something great that he's called us to, that he's inviting us to, that he wants us to experience, that he wants us to be a part of. It is the reason he's assembled us as Restoration Church. It's the reason where he's begun to put us in these different locations. It's because there is a destiny in this destination. There is a great gift and and something great to experience in him and something great to do through him and for him throughout this entire process. The kind of the question for us that we are looking at this morning, the question for us as a church is, what is the destination for us as a church? Our church was started in 1946, and it seems like we've taken all kinds of different routes and all kinds of different roads to get to where we are now. Is this where God wants us, or do we get lost on the way? Is this what God has for us, or, 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 or have we quit? Have we backed off? Have we, or have we broken down on the side of the road? You know, you kind of ask that. We take these moments during these Vision Sundays to remind ourselves what the destination is, to have the opportunity, if we go off course, to get back on course, and to make sure we're always going after everything that God has for us always going after everything he has for us. 
What is that destination? What is it that we should keep our eyes on? We keep our eyes on Jesus, our author and finisher of our faith. We keep our eyes on him. Without him, we have nothing. Without him, we are nothing. Without him, we could do nothing to please God. And so our focus is on him, the, the, uh, our, our church. It's him he, he, we worship. It's him whose name we lift up high. It's him we tell other people about. It's not about the church's name. It's not about my name. It's about the name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus. And that's why, we, that's why we're here. That's what, we, that's what we're about. That's what we do. But also on our destination, there's, a, there's something that Jesus has told us to do. And for us, we verbalize it this way by saying he, our, our destination, our mission is just one more. If you're new to restoration, you've never heard us say that before, um, this is what it means that throughout our entire life, our prayer is, Jesus, give us opportunity to reach just one more person for you. Give us an opportunity to share, about, to share you with just one more person. And we're never satisfied in that. And Jesus, when his last words to his disciples before he returned to heaven, he said, go therefore make disciples in all nations. And he never gave them a time stamp on it. He never gave them a numerical number. He said, until you get to this amount and then take it easy from there. It was something that we must continually do while we're on this side of eternity because we will not have an opportunity to do it um, when this life is over. So this is our destination. This is what we're focused on. This is what we're making sure that we're doing. Not that we're a church that's got a bunch of different fun things happening. Not that we're a church that has just a really good religious service, but we're a church that's talking to people about Jesus, introducing people to Jesus, helping people to follow Jesus. This is what we have to do. This is what we're focused on. And this is why we, enjoy, we endure some of the journey. We have the opportunity to do that and to share that. So as we sit here in this, we call, you think of this auditorium as a big giant bus and we're headed off to what God has us to do. What are the next few exits for us in this journey? What are the next few pit stops for us as we continue after what God has for us? I want to share some of those with you right now. Um, Will talked about circles, and circles are small groups of people, 10 to 15 people, um, or uh, it could be three people, but maximum of 15 people who meet in our church locations or in homes all throughout, right now at this point, New Hampshire and Maine. <laughs> Excuse me. And these circles are people who meet together weekly, a couple different times a year, um, uh, a couple different semesters a year. And they're studying the Bible together. They're praying for each other. They're sharing meals together, a lot of them. Um, and this is a chance for you. These are, your circle turn, ends up being your group of closest friends at the church. It's hard to just sh show up to a service and to grow in all the ways that, that Jesus wants you to grow. And also to make friends and get to know people the way that scripture has called us to do. So circles, um, you know, we've been doing this for a number of years, but this is going to be our greatest um, circle semester ever that's starting in a couple weeks. We have more circles than we've ever had. And then one of the things that we're doing for everybody who joins a circle, uh, we'll talk about right now media, and everybody who joins a circle, we're going to give you your own login 
and your own account to that. So you have access to all the Bible studies that your small group, uh, that your circle leader has. And so, um, and uh, there's all kinds of things in there's conferences, there's Bible studies, there's um, uh, uh, teaching uh, uh, courses that you can take, and uh, you'll have access to all of that. So myself and the staff, we kind of been beta testing this for the few months, and, and it's been great. Michelle and I, we've watched through uh, a marriage study together that was, that was fun and helpful. And my kids, most mornings, if I wake up in time, uh, we've been going through even our own Bible studies together in the morning uh, and, and just you know, watching a 12-minute video and then talking about it before they head off to school. And that's been great. And then last semester, my 10-year-old and my 9-year-old, they led their own circle uh, in our basement using Right Now Media for the kids who were in our circle. So they watched their own video together and, uh, and talked, asked some questions and colored some uh, pictures and then started crying and disrupting the rest of the circle. So that's what... Uh, so that's going to be available for every single person who joins the circle to help you grow in your understanding of, of the Bible and also help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. The second thing for us that we know is a big emphasis for this year and will be in the years ahead is kingdom builders. We started talking about this in October, and on your seats, you can go ahead and grab them now, are your um, kingdom builders commitment cards. In October, we told you we'd be doing this uh, this Sunday. And so at the end of the service, we'll pray for these and the ushers will collect these and hand them in. Uh, if you're new to our church since October, you haven't had a chance to think about it. But Kingdom Builders is giving that we do beyond, uh, beyond our regular giving that goes toward global mission projects, local church expansion, and uh, raising up future Christian leaders. So we have a goal of $50,000 for 2019 in our first year doing this. And like Bill told you, we're already uh, over 20% of the way there here on the first Sunday in February, which is really exciting. So we want you to think about that and, and, and begin to... Um, uh, and to begin to walk out that process and let Jesus kind of show himself to you in, through that. Another thing this year is a focus on locations doing outreaches in their community. We've done community grants the last several years where we um, allow small groups of people and we fund them on their projects in the community. Uh, we're going to shift that a little bit and have it location pastors lead locations. And so Plymouth is going to have an event in February at the Pemi Center doing community service there. In Dover, uh, we have uh, something happening at Flight, uh, Flight Coffee in downtown Dover. And uh, we, we're, they're going to have a night where there's two hours reserved, and we're going to buy everybody's coffee for them, serve them the coffee and Restoration Church mugs. The band's going to be playing, and then we're just going to be there um, and thanking people for letting us buy them their coffee. So that's going to be happening, and they'll be communicating. Um, will and the team will be communicating that to you. But so we've got a bunch of those uh, types of things scheduled throughout the year at all of our locations, and so we're really excited about that happening. And then tomorrow, 
um, our internship program starts, and we've talked about this on our Facebook group as I, we've been looking for host homes. Uh, we've always had interns at our church through North Point Bible College in the summer from Faith Bible College, but their internship program is a little bit different. We've started our own residency program, and so we have our own group of interns that we're going to be responsible for their education. They'll be um, working at the, they'll be part of the church on a full-time basis, uh, involved in everything that we're doing, and we're giving a chance for these young leaders to step into their calling, to identify it, to develop it, and uh, to give them a safe place to kind of make some mistakes, but really a place to pursue what God calls, God has on their life. There is not a lot of opportunities for young people to use their gifts. There's a lot of opportunity to be educated, but not an a lot of opportunity to develop the call that God has in you. So we're really excited about that. The group that starts tomorrow, they have a one-year commitment. Then in August, our second year will start, and then they'll have another one-year commitment. So um, that's going to be going on. So it'll be more chances to be host homes. And um, we have four who start tomorrow. We potentially have, at least at this point, another four interested in applying in August, and so we are really, really excited about that opportunity. And then, kind of the last thing before I give you a big special announcement, is this year, through our Kingdom Builders Giving, we're going to launch an online location. And if you were part of our snow day a couple weeks ago, you got to experience it, but really an online location is better than that. You viewed a church service, but an online location has uh, more interaction. And as people, um, pe there will be people who've never attended church who will begin to attend that regularly. And we've heard testimonies from churches all over the United States where people begin to participate in church online, end up showing at a water baptism live in person because they made the decision to follow Jesus, sometimes driving several hours to get to a water baptism. And then what we'll be doing is helping people when they, when they get to the place where they're ready to either connect to one of our locations if they live close, and if they live in another part of the country, we'll be working on connecting them to a local church where they live. You cannot, as a Christian, just attend church online or just watch church services. That is not, a, that is not what God's called us to. We, you have to be a part of a group like this um, and uh, serving together and serving the Lord and worshiping the Lord together. So are you with me on all those things? It can feel, it can feel a little bit overwhelming, like how are we going to do all that? I feel worn out already, but listen, keep your eyes focused on the destination. We're going to reach just one more. We're going to see lives change this year. Maybe some of the people you've been praying for that you never believed it would ever happen, but it'll happen this year. And then we're going to see people who just aren't connected anywhere, but somehow God draws them, they show up, they hear about how Jesus loves them and cares for them, and they make a decision to give their life to him, and they make a decision to follow him. And we, uh, man, that's what we're focused on. That's what we're excited about here. That's what we pray for here. In, uh, I became lead pastor of Restoration Church in September of 2011. And in January of 2012, we started a sermon series called Foundations, and we just begin to, like a little bit today, we just begin to say, hey, this is, this is where we believe God's heading in the future. Never really unsure if, if 
God would really do it, but kind of feeling like, oh, I think this is something that God has for us. And we just begin to slowly go after it. And over, you know, since our church started in 1946, there's been all kinds of bumps in the road. There's been challenges. There's been difficulties. There's been great seasons of open highway where it just seems like everything's going and everything's great. You get the windows down and the tunes cranked, and, and it has been a lot of fun. And, and we know that it's not, we're in, a, we haven't reached the destination yet. There's still great things that God's calling us to do. We are so excited to share this with you. And um, the, the church there that exists in Milton um, definitely went through some very difficult things over the last few years. And our district had come to us, the part of the group of churches that we're part of, and asked us, hey, would you be interested in uh, using that building to start a location? And we were excited to do that. Door to door, if you were to pull out of our parking lot and drive there, it's only 21 minutes away, though it feels so far. Um, and, uh, but even as close as it is to here, having a location in Milton gives us an opportunity to reach communities that, are, that were previously inaccessible to us. To reach into Milton and to serve that community, to uh, also uh, uh, Farmington, New Durham, Middleton, Tamworth, Sanbornville, Union, Wakefield, Wolfboro, and then in Maine, uh, Lebanon, Maine, and Acton, Maine. That spot right there is connected to such a huge area. I'm really excited that God's given us the opportunity to go in there and to um, and to, um, and to and to relaunch a restoration church there. Um, one kind of exciting thing that's happened is, uh, so this transition just recently happened, uh, but this week or next weekend, we'll have opened a food pantry there in that community. And so it'll already be functioning and helping and serving that community. But there's some things that are on our radar that are going to be happening as we prepare to launch in the fall. Uh, I'm working on hiring a location pastor, and so when we hire that, they'll be announced. And um, then we're going to be starting a construction project there to expand the restaurant facilities and to to put a wider staircase that's going into the kids' area um, in the church. And uh, so that will be happening. So there'll be some demo days coming that you can be excited about. Um, we'll be filling dumpsters, and it's going to be a great time to be together. So, you know, we'll get a chance to, to do that together. And uh, then it's kind of the big thing through this entire thing for this location here in Dover is we're anticipating that uh, about, 30, uh, about 30 of you are going to make a commitment to be a part of that launch team to launch the Milton Church. You make a decision, I'm going to be a part of that launch. Some of you, it's gonna make, it's gonna be real easy because uh, you live, kind of, you live right there. And uh, so that's gonna give you an opportunity to impact the community you're already living in. And uh, so what's gonna happen is, Pastor Will and the location pastor for uh, Milton, they'll be working side by side together with us together to find out who's going to be a, leave and be a part of that 
And for those of us who Dover's your community, they're going to be leaving to lead their, to 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 reach their community. You're going to be staying, and they hopefully is going to bring a focus on you to reach your community. And we have great people who are serving in other spots here in the church who will be leaving to serve in Milton. And so it's going to create a space for those of you who aren't yet serving to step into a spot and to use the gifts that God's given you here in your community and in the work of God that He's doing in your community. There's going to be some. Uh, there's going to be a lot happening here this year, a lot going on, but we keep our eyes focused on the destination. Jesus really is going to reach just one more. He really, uh, a dream that we spoke about in 2012, God will use us to plant restoration churches all over um, uh, northern New England. Um, it's happening, it's happening, and um, can't even believe it. Guys, I... Thank you for being with us this morning on Vision Sunday. Definitely invite you back to come back and hang out in here.